Welcome to the Android Police Podcast. My name is Daniel Bader. This week on the show, we're looking back a decade into some of Google's most well-respected and memorable hardware launches that have not been surpassed in the decade since. Let's just say that. It's been interesting going on this journey. We will talk about the Chromecast at 10, the Nexus 7 at 10, and the Moto X at 10. This is a week of nostalgia, folks. There's also a little bit of news. Joining me, as always, Will Saddleberg, R. Wagner. How are you doing? Good. I am five days from vacation at this point. Yes, you so are. I, it's 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 on the horizon, and two of those are, are a Saturday and a Sunday. So really, I'm like, I'm so close. It's so I'm surprised close. you're here. That's all. I'm surprised <laughs> yeah. you're even paying attention. You should be Someone preparing. has to review these Samsung products <laughs> that we're not no, talking about. I'm pretty sure about. they review themselves. Well, you know what? It was pretty easy to write. I will I will be honest. Ingest a Z Fold or Z Flip 4 review into ChatGPT and see what it says. <laughs> It'll give you 98.2% of the review. Perfect. Well, I'm just here because I needed something to do before the pizza party. Yeah, so we keep have me a pizza awake party until later. I can get caffeine and pizza and sugar <laughs> in my body. Mm. If anyone out there listening is like, huh, this was a short one, it's because we're all, <laughs> we're all just going to go eat pizza. After You're going to eat pizza. I'm taking my daughter to right, Canada's yeah. Wonderland. Yeah. So Listen, that's um, fun. I might actually eat pizza there, though, so that'll be fun, too. For anybody who's not familiar with Canada's Wonderland, it's like Six Flags, but slightly worse. Hey, it depends on six, which Six Flags you go to, uh, but it's yeah. worse than some Six Flags and better than others. It's probably better than the Six Flags near me. Yeah, I it's would, like would, the northern. Where it's yeah. not in Buffalo, right? It's like Rochester. It's in like the middle of nowhere. Maddie's literally going there for a concert later tonight, and I, and God bless, because I I've been to one concert there. It will take her at least an hour to leave that parking lot. Mm. It is a nightmare. I mean, that's how all yeah. theme park parking lots are. Oh, for I say sure. This is somebody who goes to theme parks like every week, multiple times. Like theme park parking lots are not designed for fast egress, only fast ingress. Well, the issue is that it pulls out onto a two-lane road, as in one lane each way. Oh, that—that's just poor planning. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's bad. That's that's very northern New York infrastructure. Yeah. yeah. See that—that's when you just grab like one last churro or ice cream or something, and then you just eat it like in the parking lot or something while you wait for cars to leave. Because I have heard the best thing you can do is basically just either leave the concert early or take your time getting back to your car. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there are two kinds of people in the world. There are those that stay for the encore and those that get out as soon as the main concert is over. I stay and for the encore. I, I always, you know, they, they always yeah. play the best songs. Exactly. Right? Their most popular songs. So it's like, do you value your bed? Do you, do you, are you okay with getting 90% of a good experience? And Especially then like, with concert prices these days. Like, you paid for this. You got to stay. It depends on the concert. And depends on how well they've been the rest of the evening. Yeah. Because, like, if it was a fair. middling concert, okay, if, 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 if it's been this quality the rest of the evening, I don't think they're going to suddenly improve for the encore after three hours of playing music in front of thousands of people in front of harsh lighting. I don't think I've ever been at a concert that I've been, like, the core concert is so bad that I'm not going to stay for the encore. Well, to be fair, most of my concerts are free because I, I watch them at Disney. That's fair. But that's a good point. I, I don't know. I'm there are some I mean, like I I'm I'm an old 
cranky man now. So I feel like I would maybe make the decision to leave after the encore or before, before the encore. But uh, I only see bands that I love now because I can only go to like three concerts a year. So I generally don't think that I would make that decision. Well, also, yeah. y'all are both up north where even in the summer, I'm willing to bet your concerts, by the time it gets to evening and the main concert will be starting, you're probably back at a semi-reasonable temperature. Whereas down here, even by like 10 o'clock, it could still be a heat index of like 90, 95. Most of the concerts I see are inside anyway. Yeah. That's, I mean, I don't know. Like in the middle of summer, it doesn't go below like 75 here yeah maybe 70 but it's very nice most nights like outside it's good okay let's actually talk about the things that we were going to talk about so this week we've been sort of publishing nostalgia on the site we're looking back at 10 years of the chromecast 10 years of the nexus 7 and 10 years of the moto x now they all didn't come out in the same week but they came out in 2013 and we've been looking back at the impact that these products have had that have cascaded down into their various product categories. We'll start with the Chromecast. I think, Ara, you've had probably the most experience with this core product and the many offshoots that it inspired, the Chromecast Audio. We've had the updated Chromecast that was released, I think, in 2018. 18 or 2019. Well, I think the one in 2019 was the third generation, I, right? I think, yeah, TV, Chromecast with Google TV comes out fall of 2020. No. Yeah, yeah. The yeah. third gen Chromecast was just like an updated SD version, right? Yes. yes. Yeah. But through all that, the core functionality hasn't changed much. Obviously, the Chromecast with Google TV added a UI, an actual way to interact with it. It was a proper streaming stick. But before that, it was not. It was just a way to allow you to stream from a device. Let's talk about that. I mean, go all the way back to 2013 when this product was announced. Like it was incredibly useful, especially at its $35 price point. I mean, I remember watching Google I.O., the keynote, and then afterwards I drove to... I think I drove to like maybe two or three Best Buys, but I got to one and it was the last Chromecast they had and I bought it the same day. Uh, and then I got it home and you couldn't really do terribly much with it because you only had like seven apps. <laughs> well, you had seven apps and then you had the ability to like mirror your screen from like a laptop or something. But I mean, the Chromecast was one of those things of it's like, it's not a full platform. Like it's not a full functioned device. It's just a landing target. Which I think simplified things in that it was one less thing you could mess up the settings on. It was one less thing you would lose the remote for. And it was just one less thing you had to like find and keep a hold of because it's like you don't need any controls. You just keep your TV remote and your phone, which you already have. That was very useful. I mean, I used the Chromecast exclusively until I got my NVIDIA Shield TV. And even then, I still, the Chromecast function built into Android TV made it Nice and easy to just like, okay, I don't want to hassle with menus or I'm in the middle of watching something. I can just cast it to the big screen and just keep going instead of having to find my place again. But I mean, the Chromecast was also just one of those things of it's like, if you didn't have a smart TV and even in 2013, smart TVs kind of sucked because updates were so slow on TVs in those days. We didn't have an app store that could be used across like multiple brands or multiple devices, really. Everything basically had to be coded per TV. So apps were horrendously slow to update. 
usually horrendously slow to open and navigate. Like, the only thing I regret not getting during Prime Day was I didn't sign up for the uh, $100 Fire TV uh, invite-only deal fast enough so I couldn't replace the TV in my mother's kitchen because the apps on that Vizio TV give me traumatic flashbacks because of how slow they would load. Like, two minutes to load an app, like, 30 seconds per letter when you're doing a search. And the Chromecast was just like, oh, no, you don't need any of that. If you found it on your phone, cool. You hit a button and it's there. Awesome. And outside of instances where just like servers weren't functioning properly and things just started getting jittery, it was just super duper easy. I genuinely loved it. There are days when I look at the Chromecast with Google TV and I'm still just like, yeah, no, pull it up on my phone, click. Unless you have a remote with the QWERTY key buttons. Sometimes when you're doing like search oriented stuff, it's still just easier to pull it up on your phone. I think the legacy of Chromecast goes beyond sort of the initial limitations of the product. It was the fact that at the time, while there were competitors, this idea of not offering a front end, but relying largely on your phone and a cast casting standard that developers would have to plug into made it enticing largely because it removed so much of that cost overhead right well and also it was open because we we already had airplay at that point but airplay was one of those things of you could only use it from apple devices on apple devices so that but also airplay one if you recall back in 2013 was incredibly unreliable it did, yes. it, yeah. it really like it took until airplay two for airplay to be a functioning standard that people wanted to use and plug into even within the apple ecosystem like i hated any airplay related casting i always preferred whether an app had chromecast support because streaming music or video was always more reliable even a decade ago so google got it right the first time which is very rare for a google product a google hardware product well, not just that. I think it's also like really impressive. I mean, think about how many times has Google tried to spur devs to like adopt something? I mean, we're kind of seeing it right now with like the Pixel Fold and like Google really wants developers to like optimize their apps. They're not going to do the work for them in the same way that like Samsung kind of just, you know, like, oh, we'll make it look good enough, you know, on our end. And it's kind of crazy to think back and be like, no, pretty much like every major developer of any media app, like big or small, you know, even like smaller, like video players or whatever, like adopted cast support, which is like, we don't give enough credit to like how well that that ended up rolling out. And it was probably partially because instead of an $1,800 foldable, it's a $35 device that's on every store shelf and or every it's in every Walmart, basically, right? Like everyone was buying one because why wouldn't you? It was so cheap. And so I don't know. I think that's a really interesting success on Google's part. The success, obviously, has cascaded into new products, right? There's the second and third gen Chromecasts. There's also the Chromecast Audio. I was going to say, we got to talk about the Chromecast Audio because this is my favorite. This was my favorite Chromecast. Well, this is also the thing that nobody else really replicated in a perfect or near perfect way. Nobody else got the Chromecast Audio beat for like years. I still don't think we have like quite as ubiquitous a solution as the Chromecast Audio. No, there's some like niche... Pro- expensive products that you can buy. I think Taylor just reviewed one like a month or two ago that he really liked, but it's it's much more expensive than the Chromecast yeah. Audio was. I was yeah. going to say, the Chromecast Audio was still like 
35 bucks, right? Or was it 50 for the audio? It might have been 50, but it wasn't more than 50. Yeah, but the, the also, audio it like was like a just, record. Yeah, but the audio was audio was amazing because it was just like, oh, here are all of these old dumb speakers that are never going to be smart. You plug this in and suddenly your speakers are smart. Awesome. Google obviously understood the value of a Chromecast audio, but it also understood that in order to spur the adoption of Google Home in 2016 and the subsequent like enormous revenue potential of the smart speaker and smart display ecosystem that I wouldn't say has like been particularly successful. The Google Home and the early Echo, like the 2014, 2015 Echoes were heralded as this new interaction model and everybody would start talking to their speakers all the time and having conversations with them. That never came to pass. But I think Google saw that as long as it continued to support the ability to make dumb speakers smart, it would be its own roadblock to the adoption of standalone smart speakers with cast support. And I think that says a lot about what Google was trying to do in the mid-2010s when it came to hardware. I mean, buying Nest, obviously, all of this came around the same time. Nest was acquired in 2014. It took many years for the Google Home to become part of the Nest ecosystem. But at its core, I just don't think Google saw the Chromecast audio as anything but a niche device for people like us and Jerry Hildenbrand, who I think continues to curse the day that Google ever canceled this thing. Well, I continue to curse that day, too, mostly because all of the audio video receivers that were built in the mid uh, mid to late 2010s and were... Chromecast built in, the vast majority of those AVRs did not have good enough Wi-Fi in order to stream properly and consistently with Chromecast the way they would do with like Spotify Connect. They still should have had a Chromecast audio. I don't care if you priced it at $100 or $150. You still should have had that kind of a product available. Like you're not going to replace your $2,000 home speaker setup with like a $100 smart speaker. It's just not going to happen. They're for entirely different purposes. And I'm sorry, but I don't need every speaker to be smart in the like talk to Alexa or talk to assistant kind of way. I just need every speaker to be smart in what it can receive. I think it's just a matter of where is Google trying to make its money, right? Because it's if it can build you into an ecosystem the way it can with like any smart speaker, it's not the same as, you know, you picking up a cheap Chromecast audio. That's kind of the end of the transaction there. It's it's sort of how I feel about as much as we were like, oh, thank God, finally a remote for the Chromecast with Google TV, you know, in 2020. It's like almost three years later, I can look back and be like, oh, they did that so they could that it was easier to serve ads. <laughs> like that, that's what that was, <laughs> wasn't it? Um, and which is kind of about in like I, I if I, someday I will find the time to write about how much I hate that chromecast i it is maybe one of my least favorite purchases i've ever made but um i, I uh, will chromecast go ahead with and Google say TV. yeah i hate it yeah it's, it's hate. just a bad product it's a bad product it's it, a bad it's product. one of those and, and this is the problem with reviewing gadgets after a couple weeks of use it, it's just how it is but it's like everybody will this is i i i everybody got swindled yeah, by google i know every single person that gave i did yeah, i reviewed I did it I didn't. I, I wasn't like working a, here. I bought it with my own money. <laughs> like, yeah. It swept me off my feet. 
in the early days because performance was great for six months it was good and then it's like basically once you have that for six months it goes like oh like i don't i can't load apps anymore man i don't know what you want from me right it's terrible well the chromecast with google tv is one of those instances where updates need to be opt-in for something like that because it worked almost perfectly out of the gate and then each upgrade seemed to somehow make it worse and I will say, I have Android TV on my Sony TV. I was absolutely in love with Android TV. I still like Android TV, but the bugs in Google TV are annoying me even on my $1,300 TV at this point. Because every single time I turn on the TV, within five or 10 seconds, I get Wi-Fi connection lost, even though I'm not using Wi-Fi, I'm using Ethernet. Same on my uh, Google TV TCL. TV, which which also I reviewed and and started happening like sick. It it did not happen when I reviewed it. It happened months after. Where like I've reset that TV. I've done everything. Oh Same no, with it's, the Chromecast. It's, it's, it's nothing to do with like the individual yeah. device. Oh no, it is, I, this is a I figured that out. Yeah. Bug. Yep. And yeah, for me, I didn't even get two months before it started cropping up. But the fact yeah. that Google has not saw fit to fix this, and my TV has gotten like three or four updates in the time that I've had it. But sure. that this has never been fixed, uh, even though it is something that you see it immediately and it annoys every single part. And it, it is a it is a big blaring sign to everybody who has bought this. Google doesn't care about the quality of this ecosystem. We just care that you bought it. You're here. You're stuck. That is an evergreen statement about Google's hardware ambitions. Yeah. Right. You could you could say that about Nest as a product ecosystem, too. Yeah. You know, you could say that. I mean, where's the new Nest Audio, you know? <laughs> like, where's the new Nest Hub Max? Uh, it's the Pixel tablet. No. Except it's no. not. <laughs> it sure isn't. No, they made could've it very been. clear those are two different products and you shouldn't think of one as a replacement for the it other. It could have been. They could have took. They, they could have taken audio seriously it on, the, been. on the like, Pixel tablet. Like, I'd go farther and say it should have been. It's such an obvious replacement that if Google like was a little more organized in its hardware strategy, it would be like, this is an obvious replacement for the thing it looks exactly like we shouldn't plan to design it as such and instead they're like well of course we put a smart you know a speaker dock in the box but like you should not think of this as a replacement for the hub max like i I just it it, i don't know i don't know what they're doing it's it's so anyway go keeping keeping on the the chromecast audio here i think you know obviously a lot of companies have taken multi-room audio very seriously and i wonder if the rise of nest as an ecosystem you know the, their ambitions to sort of string together a bunch of nest hubs and nest hub maxes and nest audios and every other nest speaker product as a multi-room audio solution is ultimately what killed the chromecast audio or if it was just seeing the writing on the wall that like there wasn't a ton of profit to be made from selling these individual dongles which I'm sure the overhead of maintaining them was low, but in general, I think Google just did not think that it could compete long-term with the Sonuses of the world and with the Amazons of the world and ultimately with itself, right? With Nest. Amazon has taken multi-room audio very seriously, more seriously than Google since like 2018, 2019. Amazon, if you have a bunch of Echoes, you can very easily string them together in a pretty decent sounding multi-room audio setup. And then obviously Sonos is is the leader in this space. Very expensive, but you don't really have to worry about any independent connections, right? You just plug it in, you open the app, 
get it connected to your Wi-Fi and it just works. Can I chime in on the Sonos there for a moment? Because I think Sonos is a good part of the reason why the Chromecast audio died and never got a replacement. And that is because I can't even remember how early the lawsuit started over like Chromecast and Chromecast audio and the multi-room audio through Chromecast for Google. But that has been tied up in litigation for the majority of the last decade. <clears throat> no, it, it not no. not with Sonos. Sonos sued Google in 2020. Yeah, I was going to say, I think it and was 2019. And the Chromecast audio was discontinued in 2019. Yeah. I don't, I mean, it's possible Google saw the writing on the wall. I mean, Sonos won its first lawsuit against Google, $32.5 million. Like, they probably knew what they were doing. But I don't think specifically the Chromecast audio was singled out in the in, in, the, in the lawsuit. It was the software connection that allowed you to easily pair multiple speakers together on, on the software layer. That was what they sued over. Although there were there are two lawsuits, so I'm not I was gonna sure. say there were there were multiple lawsuits and I, I swear that those start lawsuits started around like twenty fifteen or twenty sixteen for one of the first ones. Not with Sonos. No. Okay. But also I mean Another audio thing I just want to get into is you mentioned that like the expansion of Nest and like Nest Audio and whatnot. The Nest Audio came out the same fall as the Chromecast uh, with Google TV and the Nest Audio. We still don't even have a hint of when we're getting the replacement and the Nest and unlike the Chromecast with Google TV, which gets discounted at the drop of a pin, the Nest Audio still sees very little discount. They usually go on, on sale on Black Friday, right? And don't that's they do, it. Like, those bundle, yeah. Like the Nest Audio, I don't think even got a deal at like. It didn't get a deal at Memorial Day when the rest of the Nest lineup deal. It didn't get a deal on Prime Day like the rest of the Nest lineup did. Like the Nest audio is one of those things of unless you a sale is so rare, but at the same time, Google will be like, oh, we're, we're just going to make these half off for like two or three weeks of Thanksgiving. And then that's it for the rest of the year. Blows my mind. The interesting part about this is that the Nest audio sounds amazing for the size. Like it just over performs compared to all of Google's other standalone speakers for the price, right? But there's nothing, like, it's just a speaker. And if you go back to, say, the, the Google Home Max, is that what it was called? Uh, yeah, yes. yes. Uh, their their the branding one? is so bad. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The one that was released Max. in 20... Like, if you're not going to release not a new... Not the Hub next... Max. No, yeah, I mean... The, yeah, Google the, Home, yes. Google the big Home one, Max. Yeah, Google, the big yeah. speaker. So, we still use that in our living room. Since 2017, I've had it in there. It's our workhorse. It sits in a corner. It plays hours of Raffi and Peppa Pig songs every day. <laughs> it, it, is, it probably hates us, but it does. <laughs> and it works great. It's been fine, right? Google stopped developing for it and updating it a couple of years ago. But ultimately, you can still connect it to the Google Home app. You can still pair it with multiple speakers. You can still create groups and all that stuff. And it's fine. But the fact that Google has not iterated on that design in the last six years now, the Nest Audio hasn't been updated for four years. The Nest Hub Max has not been updated in three years. It, it just feels strange to me. Like It goes all the way back to the Chromecast. Google doesn't really understand streaming the way that it should. Given the advantages that the Chromecast gave it 10 years ago, it just doesn't. Okay, I think we can move on and talk about the next piece of the puzzle, which is the Nexus 7. So with everything 
happening in the tablet space again this year. I think it's worth talking about why the Nexus 7 was so successful. Now, obviously, the original Nexus 7 came out in 2012. When we talk about the 10-year anniversary, we're talking about the second-gen Nexus 7, which is by far the better product. It was the same size, but it was much more powerful, and it was just a more coherent product for $230 and $270, 16 gigs and 32 gigs. It ran cooler. Its battery life was way better because the original one, if you recall, used a Tegra processor. Oh, man. Uh, whereas Remember the second Tegra gen processor. one had a Snapdragon in it. So it didn't like burn your hand. <laughs> um, the screen was nicer and you got 16 or 32 gigs of RAM rather than eight and 30. Yeah, and it was almost and, and kind of a price cut basically because it, yeah. it was $30 more for the starting price, but it was, it was 250 for the 16 gig in 2012 and 230 in, in 2013. So I remember that they gave away the Nexus 7 at Google I.O. in 2012, the original version. And I think at the time, that was probably the most exciting tablet that I'd used ever because it was so compact and just did everything so well, right? It opened phone apps really nicely, but it could scale for the few tablet apps that were available at the time. There was also an LTE model, which came, I think, a few months later. And in general, it really kind of set the path forward for the Nexus 9, the Nexus 10, the Pixel Slate, and then the Pixel Tablet. And the Nexus C, actually, which was a, a kind of a weird... A, a decade of failed successors, yeah. basically. Um, but let's talk about the original Nexus 7 second gen. Uh, yeah. Did either of you have it? Did you use I had it? the first gen. I, I did not have... I didn't have either. Okay. You're too, too, too young... I was, I wasn't, I mean, I was, uh, I was not an Android nerd until 2013. The Moto X is what made me an Android nerd. I was an Android nerd. And although I was an Android nerd in in, in 2013, but I was also uh, about to start college and had no money. Yeah. I was in college and had no money. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I mean, again, like the way that tablets have developed over the past decade since the introduction of the iPad in 2010 kind of lends itself to thinking that it's become more and more of a computer replacement. And obviously Apple and Samsung and Lenovo have perpetuated that idea. And the rise of the Surface as a sort of two-in-one where as a tablet, it works just like any other tablet. And then you pair it with a keyboard and all of a sudden it's a laptop replacement. That way of thinking about tablets has, I think, taken over and is now only coming back a decade later, but it has taken over the idea that really a tablet is a consumption device. It should be cheap and cheerful. It should live in your living room. It should just exist for books and TV and like your kids to throw around and get messy with. And that's really what the Nexus 7 yeah. was and what it did so well. And that's, it's kind of what the Pixel tablet is trying to be kind of but also doesn't have a keyboard accessory or a, a stylus unless you you know you can just buy like a third party one but i look at that and i'm like I, I still don't feel the same it doesn't have the same level of like joy i guess that the nexus 7 did i don't know if this is literally just because it's more expensive and it it just kind of looks like any other tablet and it, it's not this like compact fun thing like i don't know but it it's missing that same level of like spark that made the Nexus 7 feel so exciting. It could also just be the price tag. It could just literally be a thing where it's like, well, $500 is not impulse purchase territory and 200 
for a tablet kind of kind of was 230. Yeah. I think there's a lot there. I think the iPad, the the 10-inch iPad doesn't generate the amount of joy that the iPad mini does at 7.9 inches. I think just yeah. seeing a compact tablet itself, the form factor lends itself to feeling like it's the secret that you can pull out of a bag at any time and like while away an hour reading. Whereas a proper tablet is more conspicuous. It represents more of a formal work or business, you know, integration into your life these days, at least. But I do think of the products that Google launched this year, uh, the, well, the, the sort of interesting products that they launched, the Pixel Fold and the Pixel Tablet, the tablet is by far the better product. Oh, absolutely. I would hope it is. <laughs> they have more than a decade of making tablets under them at this point. I don't care if they call it a first-gen product. It's, it's literally not. You've made other tablets. But it does, I think... So right now it's down to four hundred and thirty nine dollars. So yeah, just went on sale. You get the, today. the tablet, yeah. you get the dock with it, and I think at this, I would say three ninety nine, it is a much more compelling product, which it'll in- inevitably get to. Right. Well, it'll that was basically in the run up. That's what we talked. We were like when we were speculating on price, we were like, it, they got to mark this thing at like it's got to be sub tenth gen iPad pricing with the dock. It's got to be four hundred, and and if it is, it's kind of a slam dunk. Uh, you know, it doesn't have to meet three the three thirty price tag of the older ninth gen iPad, but if they can get it to like four hundred, and so, I mean, it's down to four thirty nine right now. We are a couple months away from from Black Friday, basically. Like, I I feel like four hundred is like totally in the cards for that holiday, which would be great. Like that that's not a terrible gift at four hundred dollars. It's a it's a harder it's a harder pull at five. So. Going back to the Nexus 7, I think its attraction continues to be the same attraction of cheap tablets, is that it just did a few things really well, and it's slightly different than a phone. It's not, it doesn't quite take up the same amount of space in your bag as, and in your life as a full-size tablet. The expectations, maybe for yourself, of a full-size tablet are, oh, okay, like I can answer an email. You know, I can actually do some work here. I can multitask. Even when I pick up the Pixel tablet, which is, it's not really designed for anything productive. It's just a blank slate. I still feel that pull to like, okay, well, it's a big canvas. I can do more with this. But when I pick up a Pixel or when I, when I pick up an iPad mini, for instance, I don't get that same urge. For me, that is really a consumption device and the Pixel Sorry, the, the Nexus 7 did that so well. So I think that's really what it comes down to. You've made me want to buy an iPad mini in this conversation. <laughs> I saw an iPad mini at the airport last week and I was like, almost, I almost opened my phone and just ordered one then and there. Yeah, I have thought about it before. I have a fourth gen iPad Air that I use on and off and and it's fine. And, and it's basically the same design, but bigger as the, as the iPad mini. But like, I do sometimes look at them online and I'm like, that would be so fun, though. It would be like I could just throw. I just always have it on me, which I can't say about the the full size iPad. It's the same with the Pixel tablet. Or I'm reviewing the Tab S9 right now, and which is basically the same size. And like, I'm kind of mostly using it as a consumption device. It it the OLED screen does make it like really nice for watching video, but you have to think about it if you're going to take it. Unlike the iPad Mini, where it's like, well, I can just that that'll fit anywhere. I can just keep that with me all the time. So. 
then you go to the website and you start looking at the mini and you're like, this is $500. It's the and price. The price stops me every time. Yeah. It's 64 gigabytes. Yep. And then every you're time. like, Apple is ripping me off. Yeah. Let's wait for them to update the iPad mini so that you get 120 gigs of storage at the very minimum. Like this is a nice tablet. It's well-made. Screen's great. All that's fine. $500 for this is bananas. If they made a model tomorrow that was well, not even made, if they kept the specs identical, because I don't believe the iPad mini, the current gen iPad mini is particularly new. But if they just they were like, it's the same specs, we don't care. But now it's 400 and you get 128 gigabytes of storage, I'd buy it immediately. I'm just on Apple's website here. And the variation in their iPad line now is so weird. The iPad mini has the same high quality display as the 10th gen iPad, the iPad Air, and the iPad Pro, but it's a last gen screen. It's got an A15 Bionic, whereas the iPad Air is now on the M1 and the iPad Pros are on the M2. The 9th gen iPad is on an A13 and has is a 10.2 on inch. Yeah, and then the yeah. new iPad's on an A14 with a slightly nicer 10.9 inch display. The whole thing is just like, messy it's messy 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 well, part of this is that apple just does one model upgrade at a time kind of for like if they if they made this a little more regular it would kind of make more sense but as it stands i when was the ipad mini updated like 18 months ago at this point like, yeah exactly as opposed to the 10th gen ipad which came out this year right i think earlier Correct. this year but that's that's it yeah. right it'll always be on an incongruous cycle yeah but it which makes it it's like even if this conversation right now convinced me to drop $500 on this iPad mini, which like, if we keep talking about it, I might pull the trigger. It comes in purple. It's still like, I can't do it because are they going to make like, and I don't think there's any rumors about them making a new one. So God knows when they're in, in, in the mini particular, uh, particularly has been like, we'll just update it whenever we decide to. This thing might be on the market for 30 months or something before they end up giving it a spec bump. Correct. All right. So that's the Nexus 7. And then finally, in our nostalgia retrospective, we're talking about the Moto X. So the Moto X was released in 2013. Ara, you said this is the one that really means the most to you. It also means a ton Same. to me. I loved this yeah, phone. I had this. Where, where did you come to the Moto X? For me, the Moto X, it was a combination of things. Uh, the first being that it was final manufacturer was in Texas. And the phones were made like, 50 minutes from my dorm at college and the phone was it was a nice wonderful size it really felt nice in the hand you were able to instead in this world of at the time it was mostly like black and maybe some greens and maybe some reds for phones you had 32 different colors you could choose from including some of the specialty backs like wood and we had leather for the 2014 and the 15 i want to say but the Moto X also was just the the software had like a number of things that just went. This doesn't just feel like a phone. This feels like an ex- this feels like an experience. This feels like this this makes Android feel like magic. The first of which being Moto Voice and uh, the thing that we had on Moto Voice and lost with the fall of Motorola and still haven't gotten back a decade later is custom trigger phrases for Google Assistant. And I am still pissed because having those trigger words for two and a half years ruined me for having to say OKG on every other device I have used since. Like, I do not use voice interaction half as much as I did on my Moto X's. Well, saying Google is just 
it, 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 it's not a fun word to say. <laughs> like, it's that's not a my fun thing. word to say, but more importantly, if you say it, your device might trigger and every yeah, other device too. around you that anybody else might own might trigger. Because instead of looking for your specific voice print on your specific phrase, it's trying to match whatever is being said in the room to a set series of phonetics. Got to keep the brand alive, though. We got to we gotta basically have every customer be a walking advertisement. So. Screw that. Well, even, I agree. Even because like, not enough people on Earth know the company Google and what yeah, it does. I, yeah, I mean, I mean, you got to know. Every time someone uses you, you got to be like, whoa. I could be doing that with my device. All I have is an iPhone and Siri's terrible. Yeah, but this came out before Siri. Oh, I know. I'm talking about current day. No, no, no. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm wrong about that. The iPhone. Uh, yeah, Siri is uh, uh, 2012. Siri had been around. Uh, yeah. For yeah. Us. It just wasn't as like Moto X was the one time that using Google voice on a phone was legitimately cooler than using Siri. That was also, I think that was the first time we had voice recognition on an Android phone that well and truly just worked, right? Because we'd had, like, there were things that you could, like, tap a microphone and give your command and, yeah, maybe it would work and maybe it wouldn't. I want to say the Moto, uh, I want to say Moto Voice was one of the first times that we had voice recognition and voice commands on a phone that had just such a low failure rate compared to previous iterations. I also think you overestimate the number of people that actually want to talk to their phones. Like, yes, I absolutely. The reason do. Moto Voice never became an interesting platform not, is not only because Google moved away from that and like works on Google Assistant as a core product of Android, but also because I don't know if most people want to ask their phone to do things more than once or twice a day, and most of the time it's send mom a text message. And saying "Hey G" to that is not a big encumbrance. So, I mean, it took until this year for Apple to remove the word "Hey" from Siri, so that you could just activate it using Siri. Uh, that's not even out yet. It's only coming in iOS 17. The other one that I love it to death, and I'm so happy it came to literally all of Android, was the uh, trusted Bluetooth, which turned into trusted devices and smart lock, and now is being called. I want to say it's being called trusted devices again, isn't it? I have no idea. I can't remember. This was like <laughs> I know a CES it got announcement. Yeah, I, it, I... it got renamed again. And whenever they started renaming it, it started messing up on a bunch of phones because the renaming was server side. But a lot of phones didn't have the hooks in for the new system, only the old one. So smart lock was kind of broken for part of this year on my Galaxy S23, and I was not happy about that. But after years of like, oh, I have to put every time my phone goes to sleep, I have to put the pin back in again. And if I'm driving, I have to try and put the pin in for certain commands or whatnot, unless I keep my screen on the entire time. But being able to just like have my phone with me and my phone will unlock so long as I am wearing my watch or wearing my headphones was a wonderful feeling. And it's the reason that I'm still an avid smartwatch wearer, even when smartwatches kind of sucked in the late 2010s because just being able to have that convenience for my phone made the watch worthwhile. So besides that, I think the Moto X did a lot of things really well. The ability to wave your hand over the phone to see your notifications, the always on display, the fact that you could quickly check your notifications without actually turning on the screen the ability to use your home screen to, to jump into a notification and end the app. Like all those were 
genuinely useful tools that I think we still would benefit from today. Motorola iterated on that over the years and then seemingly just abandoned it at some point. But Moto Display was one of my favorite Android features that I wished would become more ubiquitous. For Moto Display, I thought it was I, I thought for the 2012 it was that you had to raise it. I didn't think we got the waving your hand in front of it until the 2014 because the 2014 the white front of it had um, basically had acne from all the holes for the sensors. Yeah, so the first generation one, you did have to touch it. Yeah, that was 2013. Um, but at 24 least you still had like dark screen, like very minimal interface, but you could still like swipe through all of your notifications. Yeah. So the second gen. This, yeah. The second gen one, the Moto X Pure Edition, that came out in 2014. Bigger phone, more powerful, better camera. That had the sensors. And I think that's really when it was the last good year of the Moto X, right? Well, it was the, the last one made under Google. Yeah, exactly. It was the Moto X Pure and then the Moto X Play. Wait, I thought the Pure was 2015 and then 2014 was still just called the Moto oh, X. Oh, yeah. It might have just been X. Oh, sorry. It was gen. the Pure yeah. in, in 2015 and then the Play yes. as well. But the second yeah. generation Moto X, the bigger one, that introduced the leather Moto Maker. Yes, it was just a better device it overall. Was, yeah, it was it was a better device overall. We got a bigger screen, which was what most people wanted because I I adored the size of the original Moto X, but most people were like, "This is this is great, but this is small." And we're in the age that we want big screens. But it like, was also it was still bucks. only five point two inches. Like, it, like looking back, it wasn't that big. Like, no. it, it was big for the time. Yeah, it was big for the time, and it was big for my little yeah. hands. I also just want to talk about the camera. So the camera on the original Moto X is by far one of the worst cameras ever put in a phone. <laughs> I still have photos from when I went to get the phone at the New York launch event, took it home, started taking photos of things in my life. Those are some of the worst photos I've ever taken. In daylight, especially at nighttime, Motorola's cameras were so bad that it actually made me not want to use the phone, despite all the other things about it that I liked. And we we're talking about the rise of Samsung at the time, right? We had the Galaxy S3, I'm sorry, the Galaxy S4, and then the Galaxy S5. These were worse phones in a lot of respects, but the display, the battery life, and the cameras were significantly better than the uh, equivalents on the Motorola phones. And once Google abandoned uh, or sold off Motorola to Lenovo, that was over. It was over for Motorola. They only started making a comeback this year, arguably. So I would say that the last great Motorola phone until this year was made in 2014. Although one can argue that the Moto X line had its virtues and I think did a lot of things really well, but Nobody would say that they competed really well with Samsung. No, no. I mean, the Moto X, the first two specifically, are like, to me, feel more like the, the direct lineage to Pixel than, than Nexus. Like, the Nexus line led into uh, Pixel, but like, when you really look at it, like, it feels, it feels more like the first two Moto X phones were like kind of proto Pixel ones. Totally. I mean, the, Pe the Nexus 6 was basically a big. That's true. Yeah. Moto X, right? Yes, it was. I had I had that phone. I did not have so I wanted I wanted the second gen Moto X so so bad. I had a I had a first gen that I bought like lightly used, I think, on eBay. Uh I, I shared the story in our Slack this week, but I, I when I was a sophomore in college, so this is like right after the second gen comes out, I would 
uh, I worked night desk in my dorm and at other dorms across campus. And so that basically meant that like at least first semester uh, from 3.30 a.m. to 7 a.m. I would uh, I would I would sit and wait to like sign people in or out mostly out at that point. But also I was the I was the second shift person. So like no one really came by. I loved it as oh, someone man. who was not sleeping a lot at that time. Uh, it was a great way to make money and basically not do anything but watch. Um, I don't know. I think I watched Happy Endings on Hulu. That show had just been canceled. Why were you not sleeping much at the time? Uh, I don't know, man. I, <laughs> sometimes you don't sleep in college. Uh-huh. Okay. All right. Just, just make sure. <laughs> uh, everything's above board here. Yeah, it was all good. Uh, it was, it was, it was fine. I, it, by the second semester, they like kind of screwed up. Like I, I couldn't get as many hours as much. Not that this matters. My, my point of the story is that like one of the things I would do is just mess around on the uh on moto maker to like be like oh i'm gonna take all all my savings uh from this job and use it to buy a a second gen moto x what do i want it to look like and instead i bought a uh moto 360 you guys can tell me if i made the right or wrong decision (laughs) i think you made the right decision i loved my moto 360 i still have my moto 360 i also really liked my moto 360 it was not a bad smartwatch for what smartwatches were at that time yeah in 2025 we'll we'll do that 10 year retrospective justice i do want to say i had a red leather moto x that i gave to michael fisher because he loved the design of it so much i got a customized version because at the time i ran a site called mobile syrup and the styling the color scheme of that was red and white so i got a red leather with white trim and michael saw it at an event once and was like oh i love that i I love that combination so I think he might still have it. If the rubber revert, I mean, it shouldn't have rubber reversion because it was supposed to be good quality leather, but who knows? I'll have to ask him if he still has that thing. Motomakers is also just a, such a fun thing in a way to keep like potential buyers just coming back and coming back until they actually buy the device because it, it's always one of those things in the back of your mind of, okay, is, is this the color combination I would really want or can I find something cooler? Before I bought my 2013 Moto X, like I would go into Motormaker and once I found my combination, I think I literally like printed it out and kept it like <laughs> in my dorm room in college because it was my last semester in college. Do it for her, but it's instead of pictures of Maggie Simpson, it's pictures of the Moto X. Because uh, it was, um, let's see, it was the it was the white front, the turquoise back, and then the red accents for me. Um, but yeah, the, the, the Moto X was, it was just so much fun going through all of those and uh, God, was it Steven who said that he would like take the URLs and try and like reverse engineer oh, them into yeah. finding new colors? Yes, it was. That might be upcoming. And we should call we we should call him out for this because if you thought me browsing Moto Maker at five in the morning was nerdy, like boy, did he have me beat. I mean, I think he's he he deserves yes, a shout out. Absolutely, yeah. Like, that, that's a level shout of out, commitment. call out. Same thing. Shame public that's... shaming. <laughs> Tweet at him. I public don't know. Or, sorry, uh, post at him. I don't know what we're doing. Nope. 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 (laughs) Not going there. Okay. uh, Let's move on. There are some Pixel Watch 2 watch faces that we have posted on the site. It was uh, originally reported by Android Authority. They don't look particularly interesting from my perspective, but I've always liked the watch faces on the Pixel Watch. I think that they were one of the Pixel Watch's best features. I'm glad that. Google appears to be taking them more seriously as well this time around. Obviously, with Wear OS, though, you can load your own 
watch faces. That's never been an issue, but uh, these native ones are fantastic. They look really nice, I think. They look really clean, but in a year where I am like staring at the the Snoopy watch face and watch OS and wanting it more than anything, I'm just like... Google, make a licensing deal with another like cute. Get Bluey on, on your watch. I don't know. Oh my god, I would die for a Bluey watch face. Um, don't even, don't even tease me like that. I know it's not licensed, but at the same time, I have to say, having the ability to put gifts on the My Photos watch face for the Watch Five means that I can put anything I want on it. And the way that I found out about that was that somebody was like, "Oh yeah, I used Bluey gifts, and that's my watch face." <laughs> And I was just like, that <laughs> mad lad, that is, oh, that that is amazing. But also I'm doing this with my Disney characters because yeah. there's just so many great gifts out there. Uh, but yeah, no, seriously, if Google can make an agreement with actually with Google on watch faces, so that way we don't have to go into like Facer and other apps that do have licensed uh, like Disney, Tetris, Star Trek, whatever. I think it's Facer that has just like a bajillion Star, uh, Star Trek watch faces and Star Wars and Disney and all that. And at least I want to say like a third of them are licensed properly. Um, but yeah, I if Wear OS is going to be the platform that has a much wider selection of watch faces, we have to get more licensing in here because people need turnkey solutions. They don't want to have to download a companion app and go through a store and all of these different things on top of finding the apps in the Google Play Store. Yeah. So you want Google to Sherlock all of the apps the few apps that are actually making oh, no, money. No, no, no. Keep those, store. but make like official watch face packs that people like make a watch. That's literally what you just said Facer does though. That's how they make their money. It is. So yes, you just want Google to Sherlock Facer, which is fine. Apple's been doing it for years. It's what they're good at. So. I want them to do that in addition to Facer. I wouldn't be Facer. surprised. There, and there are some watch faces okay. that like you can, they've been packaged as individual apps and put on the Play Store, but it is a Facer watch face. No need to explain. You want Facer to go down burning in a, in a blaze of glory. You want them to go out of business. I get it. No, it's fine. That's, that's capitalism. We're all, we're all here to make money. I just say this is a phone themer. Nobody wants to use K-Widget unless they were an absolute nerd like me. But I want to have a cool watch. Uh, I want to have a cool home screen and I want y'all to have a cool watch screen. But yes. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think Google definitely needs to do a better job. Um, I don't love all of the Apple Watch faces and I certainly don't like the fact that you still cannot create third-party watch faces on Apple Watch. But the partnerships they have are good. So we'll leave it there. All right, a couple other quick things. Will the OnePlus open foldable faces a possible delay, but the news is actually quite good if you're anticipating this watch, uh, this is, this phone. Why Why is that? Yeah, so, so it sounds like OnePlus is basically swapping to Samsung panels for their display instead of BOE screens, and that would be a, a big benefit, I think, in terms of quality. I don't know if we've talked about the rumored OnePlus open name, but they kind of made a, a joke about it on their social media timed with the um, Fold 5 announcement. And so it seems like OnePlus open is the name that they're leaning towards, which I both like don't like, but also have been unable to think of an alternative that isn't just calling it the OnePlus Fold. So you know what? That's that's fine. I hope it's good. I hope it's cheap in a good way. Like I hope they can undercut we really were hoping that that Pixel would or that Google would kind of undercut the Z Fold series with the Pixel Fold the same way that they, you know, undercut with the mainline Pixel series. And they didn't. It's They're both $1,800. So I would love to see OnePlus come in at like $1,500. You know, I think that would be great. It would really help 
bring prices down in North America. But um, yeah, I don't know. I'm eager to see it. I kind of wish it was launching, you know, uh, later this summer. It now is just kind of whenever, but uh, better displays are good. And yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful. Well, that makes one of us. <laughs> Well, you know, I, I liked the OnePlus 11 quite a bit. It, I haven't really gone back to it since, but I, I liked using it when it was. I mean, I mean, God, you want to like, I'll tell you, I'll tell you this. The OnePlus open, it'll have faster charging than the 25 watts on the Z Fold 5. Samsung couldn't fix that this yep, year. Will. On a on a, in a year where you didn't change anything, you couldn't just make it 45. OK, go read my review. Which I mean, went up while we, we were know recording. from experience that Samsung's 45 watt charging is a couple of minutes faster than it's yeah i mean it's not great but like i'm just like (laughs) i was finally gonna buy a pps charger because i don't have one and and uh, and then i realized oh no it's 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 still 25 watt i don't know why i would i don't know why i would have expected the 1800 smartphone to have better specs anyway they don't want their batteries to blow up we can only use that excuse for so long figure it out yeah yes for so long Okay, uh, let's talk quickly about these new privacy features that are coming to uh, Android and Google. So Android's unknown tracker alerts are going live. So if you recall, Google worked with Apple to ensure that if you have, say, an AirTag or something that's potentially tracking you, you will get alerted of that. So it'll say to you, tracker traveling with you, unknown Apple AirTag detected. The owner of this tracker can see its location. So Basically, what it's doing is the phone itself is now able to detect using, I guess, near field communication or um, the what's it called? Uh, Ultra ultra wideband support. So anything if your phone has UWB support and you're on a version of Android that has UWB support, you should be able to get these unknown tracker alerts. Although I think it's backported. So uh, according to this, it's Android 6. Yeah, it's Plus, through play services, actually, so it should. Yeah, it's through play services, so it shouldn't be a problem. You just need to have a phone that has. Yeah, UWBs. which there are so many of those that are still that old. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's also only working with AirTags right now, so it doesn't work with Tiles, UWB supported uh, trackers either. But I think AirTags are by far the more ubiquitous. I was going to say trackers. it just proves how I, Apple came into this, uh, you know, this this market and just immediately dominated. Yeah, absolutely. I also think it's. This is not going to be a sure thing, but it's a better system than what we had last time, which would have been like an email. Okay, uh, the other thing that I found really interesting this week was that Google launched a trio of search-related updates, uh, security updates. So one, they are launching new features in the results about you tool that uh, came out in 2022. Basically, they've redesigned it. And for people in the U.S., in, with the English language, you can now get notified if new information about you has been added to Google search. You'll actually get a notification on your phone from the Google app, the same way that you would about a piece of news, uh, which is kind of interesting, right? Like it, it takes a lot of work to know that it's you and not somebody with your name. There's a lot of proper filtering that needs to go through Google's indexing tools to make this happen. But I would suspect that, uh, and this will not be perfect, but it, it's going to be really useful for people uh, who just use like a Google alert with their name to get like notified if there's new information about them. The other thing that's launching is increased safe search abilities. So safe search is sort of a 
bevy of tools that, uh, that allows you to set filtering options for Google search, you are now able to automatically blur explicit images. And that's actually been pushed out to users. So I got that prompt the other day. I just accepted it. You now have the ability to customize it. So either you can block explicit images entirely from coming up in search or just blurring them. And um, I think the default now is that they will be blurred. So instead of them not showing up at all, or you can show everything, uh, they'll be blurred. Third one I think is really interesting. Uh, and this is this I think will will also be the the most controversial. Google is now allowing users, uh, I think it's U.S. only right now, to request explicit or intimate personal imagery to be removed. Now, this is something that's been going on in Europe for for quite a while due to regulations, but it's coming over to the U.S. and they're making it a much more streamlined process that you basically start a content removal request. It asks you, why are you requesting this removal? You can say the content contains nudity or sexual material. It contains personal information. It's on a site with exploitative removal practices. So basically the, the website itself refuses to remove this information. So you're requesting that the result to that piece of content be removed from Google search. And then finally, that it shows uh, a person under the age of 18. So actually, this is not US only. I'm just looking now. It's everywhere in the world, everywhere that Google search operates. So yeah, this will be a powerful tool. I do wonder if it'll be used nefariously or what tools Google has to prevent people from using it nefariously. But I think it's better that it's here and that it's a bit more streamlined so uh, than not here at all. So long as women who are having to suffer because of revenge porn can get their images removed in some shape or form without having to jump through like a billion hoops and taking pictures of their naked bodies to send to certain agencies or uh because i know that in previous times in order to have certain things removed you had to submit photos of what it was to ins- you still uh, have to do that so for example i'm going through the workflow here and it's saying request removal of nudity or sexual content your name is the content you or is it not you? What's your address or what's your email address? What's your country of residence? And then provide the URLs to the content itself, provide the search result URL, the search term that you use to come up with that result, and then upload one or more screenshots of the content you're reporting to help us identify it. Oh, accurately. no, 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 not images that were. Um, some agencies will request you take new nude photos of yourself to send it in order to prove that it is your body. Oh, I see. And not just okay. you like pulling. So long as women don't have to do that, I'm good. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm sure, I think Google has probably enough information about you as a user to identify. And also, like, if you're submitting nude imagery, like, it's in Google's best interest to take it down rather than having to, you know, legislate whether it's the right person. It's kind of like the DMCA, right? Like, you're just going to take the information down and then you can appeal it if it was taken down accidentally, but I think in general, it's probably in Google's best interest to just use a hammer rather than a scalpel here. So yeah, I mean, these are all very good additions to, to Google search. Uh, and it, it really do, did come from uh, the EU pushing in this direction. So, you know, that, that legislation and that regulation seems to have helped. All right. Finally, uh, sync for Reddit is now, Sync for Lemmy because Lemmy is 
ostensibly a good uh, replacement for Reddit, although Reddit is still active. Um, but I think a lot of subreddits are pushing people to Lemmy as well as a replacement. It's decentralized. And uh, yeah, it's open source as well. Have you guys used Lemmy? I had not all? heard that term before today. Oh, really? No, because I've been... Without Reddit, I've basically not been on social media quite as much. So I've been doing more like reading and watching of content instead of uh, instead of uh, networking, which I really should do more of. Um, so I I do need to try this, but this. So go to our Android. My last, yeah. Because the first uh, pinned link on our Android is to Lemmy, uh, to to the Lemmy version of our Android called Lemdroid. Which oh, is I'm sure hilarious. I'm sure it's there, and I need to play with it. But you also know the, the last few weeks that we have both had. <laughs> no, no, no I, I understand. I'm just saying, like, this is a really interesting course of events uh, because I think, as you know, unlike all these decentralized versions of Twitter, I think Reddit lends itself better to accepting the Fediverse as just like a natural evolution of Reddit, right? Because yeah the subreddits themselves can become decentralized and they will live on Lemmy as a platform, but not necessarily, or as a, as a, um, as, as a community, as a, as a network, but they're not necessarily tied to Reddit or to Lemmy as like a parent, you know, it just uses, just uses the protocol here. Um, yeah. which I, I find really interesting. And also like at the end of the day, it is, it's, it's, it's less about the community, although Reddit is obviously very community driven. It's not about the personal community, you know? A lot of people on Reddit are anonymous and are not really like looking to befriend other users, right? The way that they do on on Twitter. So the network effects of Twitter are what people are trying to preserve, whereas I feel like with 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 Lemmy and, and other but um decentralized versions of reddit that acceptance will be more immediate at least that's my hope anyway well i was going to say that my my biggest issue with with lenny and other like fediverse um reddit clones i don't mean that in a negative way is that like i i can't imagine that like so like you know it's one thing to go to like the android uh you know to to go to Lemdroid, right? And 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 shout out because I'm on it right now and I see that someone shared my um Tabas Nine uh editorial this week there and I got a lot of upvotes. So thanks for that. But um like part of like one of the big things that I use slash used Reddit for is like R slash Buffalo is like a good way for me to know like what's going on in my city of like events and 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 stuff like that and and I cannot I I I'm sure there is not if there is a you know Buffalo community on on Lemmy it is going to be a a microscopic size compared to to what's on Reddit and 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 until until something can kind of take that place it it's it's going to be hard to switch totally I mean again like network effects are real on Reddit as well but I just think people will be willing i i think people will be more willing to move to you know a i, I don't know lembuff bufflum <laughs> to yeah to, we'll to, figure it out you know more more readily than they would from say twitter to blue sky or something like that i mean we've seen 
so much activity drop off threads in the last week or two since it's a hundred million user onboarding. Like I still I use it. I didn't join. But like <laughs> X does appear to be alive in a way that I hoped it wouldn't be by now. Um, they have also made just an egregious change that I wanted to to mention. Um, they have, at least for me on the desktop, have moved ads, the 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 ad disclaimer from below the tweet where it says promoted to the right side, top right side of the card, right next to the name. So it's much harder to tell what's an ad now. Um, it's just the most like user hostile change that I can imagine. Like not only did they remove, like previously they removed the, the, the disclaimer that you weren't following this person when it was in your timeline. Now yeah. you don't know when, when a, when, when a, a tweet is an ad. It's much harder to tell. Uh, so, yeah, I'm seeing that too. It's, um, it's gross. Just uh, put an ad blocker on Twitter. Sure. You don't have to. You don't have to do it on every on every website. Just do it on Twitter. What, what do you care? Like, you know, I'm I'm not. I don't want to give them money. I I will say I've taken the app off my phones and I'm using it a lot less. I I only can check it on my uh, on when I'm like at my computer now, which like has greatly like decreased how much I'm on the app. So that's yeah. good. Agreed. We got a pizza party to go to, guys. I, yeah. Oh, oh, you're we, late. We, oh, we man. I'm, I, I, I'm, I kept you. Well, we'll end there. Thank you so much, Ara. Will, enjoy your pizza. I uh, hope everybody else here eats some pizza this week because you all deserve it. Thank you so much for listening. Send some feedback. Podcast at androidpolice.com. And, Tell uh, us what your motor maker combos were. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and and uh, whether, whether you like Lemmy. I, I want to hear from you. Uh, have a great week. We'll talk to you very soon. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Pizza, pizza. <laughs>